listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. Jesus did this as the beginning of his sign at Cana, Galilee. The reading. There was a wedding in Cana, Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars that were there, there for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each holds 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them with, to the brim. Then he told them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they did it. And when their head waiter tasted the water that had become wine, without knowing where it came from, although the servers who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first. And then, when the people have drunk freely an inferior one, but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus said this to, as to the beginning of his sign at Cana Galilee, and so revealed his glory to his disciples, began to believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. By the living of this holy gospel, may you experience. My brothers and sisters, I greet you with the greeting of St. Francis. May the Lord give you peace. Amen. Amen. Here we are. It's January 2023. And this morning, uh, we had Eucharistic adoration, actually from last night till this morning. And there was just a little couple of us here at 6 a.m. Jesus had been on the altar all night and Different people came praying all throughout the night. I was getting texts of photographs <laughs> of the altar all through the night. So beautiful and uh, so many graces available. And, and I often wonder, I wonder if anybody will come here for Mass today. I mean, it is the winter. <laughs> Maybe nobody will come. <laughs> wow, it's so good to see you all. Welcome. My goodness. Um, how beautiful to be here. And as you know, the first Friday, first Saturday, such a special day here at Our Lady Shrine was at Fatima when Mother Mary made that request for the first Saturday devotion. So we love that. We just love it. Um, especially, I want to welcome Father Sylvester from the Holy Face Monastery in Clifton. Um, always so wonderful to have you here. Thank you, Father. Um, he uh, helping with confessions and proclaiming the gospel so beautifully. Thank you. So wonderful. And we also have a friend here, John Paul, who's helping with music and uh, really helping us to pray and worship God in a more beautiful and reverent way here, which we love. Thank you, John Paul. Wonderful to have you here. Um, so let's get started, shall we? 
Um, tomorrow is the Epiphany. So the bishops moved the solemnity, the feast day of the Epiphany, which is really uh, the last day of the Christmas season. So that's tomorrow. So today, we're still in the Christmas season. Here we are. It's Christmas. So we have all the beautiful decorations. It is the most wonderful time of the year, right? You know, Christmas. And uh, I, one of my friends uh, that I saw on Christmas Day, she said, I can't wait to take down the decorations tomorrow. And I about had a heart attack. I was like, no. You know, do you remember the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, right? Five golden rings, you know. So Christmas is a season as well. We're still in Christmas until Epiphany. Um, some of the parishes have this, um, you know, the pastor of the parish is like really into it. And they have the crash scene at their parish and they have the different statues, especially the animals and the shepherds and the angels. But then the, the statues of the three wise men, the three magi, the three kings get a little closer every day. <laughs> have you seen that? Does your parish like that? So finally on Epiphany. Then they're finally there, you know, like that, those are the guys that are really into it. You know, I remember one, one of my parishes when I was younger, it's like every day there'd be like the statues would be a little closer to the crash of the three kings, um, the three wise men. Um, so here we are. Um, and what do they say? Wise men still seek him. Huh? <laughs> you know, we still seek him. We seek the Lord Jesus. And um, so in today's mass, we have the wedding at Cana. And this is really one of those important passages. I'm going to try to break it open a little bit for us. Um, there is a number one podcast in the U.S. right now. It's called Catechism in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz. Do you remember last year he did Bible in a Year? It was the number one podcast last year. To this year, Catechism in the Year. Father Mike Schmitz, here's my catechism. So in one year, you're going to go through the entire catechism. And I was so happy because I'm constantly quoting the catechism. It's so good. And uh, I just want to allow something here in the catechism to guide us for the homily today, particularly as we look at the story of the wedding at Cana. So this is the part of the catechism that's talking about what we believe as Catholics about the Bible. It's so rich and beautiful. There's any church that's, wow, those people are really into the Bible. It really should be us as Catholics, the Bible is the word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. And um, in the catechism here, quoting one of my favorite documents from Vatican II, the document on the Bible, Dei Verbum, the word of God, it tells us that the three stages that happened to give us what we now call the Bible. So the first stage was the life and teaching of Jesus. So Jesus was here. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, right? He came and he was teaching, he was doing miracles, he was forming the church. So the, the real historical true event of Jesus, the Messiah. And then the second stage was the oral tradition. And this began when Jesus ascended back to the right hand of the Father. So uh, at this point, really nothing had been written down. Jesus had his 12 apostles, he had his disciples, He'd been teaching them, instructing them, forming them, guiding them. And then there was a period of time when they were out evangelizing. We read about that in the Acts of the Apostles, and they were repeating the teachings of Jesus. They were telling people about Jesus. They were baptizing people. They were uh, confirming people and praying over people and celebrating the Eucharist. All of that was happening 
before we had the New Testament. And then finally, the third stage is the written Gospels. So at another point later on, certain elements out of the many, so not everything, but certain elements were written down by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, so those were the three stages. So we think about, let's apply that to the story of the wedding at Cana. Has anybody here ever been to Cana? To the Holy Land. Okay, so you, you go to the Holy Land on pilgrimage. You go, there's a church there in that area, and uh, many married couples like to renew their wedding vows there. It's such a beautiful and moving ceremony. And they have an example of a large stone jar from the time of Jesus that they found, and they've got it there. You can look at it and see it. And so we had this event early on. So Jesus is just getting ready to start his public ministry. He already has a few disciples, and they are at this wedding in Cana of Galilee, not far from where he grew up in Nazareth. But John doesn't tell us who the married couple was. Who were they? We're not told. And uh, there's a reason why he didn't tell us. The only two people that were told the names are Jesus and Mary. There's other people there, but we're not told their names, only Jesus and Mary. And they're there at a wedding. They're there at a wedding. And it must have been sometime later that the, the, this story was part of the, the stories that they were using as they proclaimed Jesus. Right? Of all the things that had happened in the life of Jesus, the ones we know about made their way into the rosary, right? Especially the joyful mysteries. This is the second luminous mystery, the wedding at Cana. And uh, as the people were saying, we need to tell you about Jesus, and this is what you need to know, this would have been one of those stories that was on the list that was per- the memory of this was preserved. And that's there was a reason why. Um, this is not found in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. It's only found in John. And if you uh, did a Bible study on John, you would see the details in this story fit into the bigger picture of John's presentation of Jesus. So there's a wedding. And we know that in the Bible, the wedding, the marriage, is the number one metaphor that God uses to reveal the relationship he wants to have with his people. God is the groom, the church, the people of God are the bride. So there's a wedding here, but there's this wedding, there's something more than just a wedding. It's a symbol or a sign of the relationship God wants to have with us. There had been all these prophecies that when the Messiah finally comes, there will be an overflowing abundance of God's grace and God's blessing. The language of prophets such as Isaiah, they would talk about a great feast. They would talk about an abundance of wine. And so here's the Messiah. He's here. He's at a wedding. And here's the detail. They have run out of wine. Now, uh, if you wanted to be snarky, you could say, well, maybe Jesus and his, uh, his disciples drank all the wine. <laughs> and that's why it was up to Jesus to supply. No, okay, that's a little snarky. But, um, but that detail, they've run out of wine. And then somehow... That detail comes to the attention of Mother Mary. So Mother Mary is the one who knows. And what does she do? She brings this detail to her son, Jesus. So let's just ask a question. Why would she do that? What did she want Jesus to do? It's clear that Mother Mary has the gift of faith, that Jesus has the ability to fix this problem. So already she stands for us as an example of someone who has a deep faith and trust in Jesus, that he can provide 
what is needed. Isn't that something? So she brings the detail to Jesus. She's interceding. Already here, she's interceding for need, our need. We've run out of wine. And then here's the thing. Jesus says to her, woman, what does your concern, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. That is not a good translation. So John wrote his gospel in Greek, and that sentence is a little tricky to translate into English. In my opinion, this is not the best translation because it kind of sounds like Jesus is rebuking Mother Mary, which doesn't make sense. Then, you know, if she receives a rebuke and Jesus is like, why are you asking? This is not my concern. Well, then why would she turn around and say, do what he tells you? So, but if you look at the the original Greek as John recorded it, uh, it actually, the, the, this is going to get so nerdy. Please forgive me. The grammar of the sentence is a little awkward in Greek, and uh, scholars have discerned that there's actually a Hebrew euphemism, a phrase in the Hebrew language, which we have many examples of in the Old Testament, that uh, is behind what Jesus is saying here. And it's beautiful, and it's not a rebuke. He says to her, woman, and in the Gospel of John, as Jesus calls his mother woman, this is Eve, woman, the new Eve. So there's a detail there. And then this, this phrase about this concern and my hour, that's another big thing in the Gospel of John is the hour. The hour will be his death and resurrection, his paschal mystery. And it's beginning now at the instigation of Mary, the new Eve, to Jesus, the new Adam. There's some deep stuff happening here, but it's beautiful. And here it is, six large stone water jars that were there for Jewish ceremonial washings. Okay. So Jesus made about 200 gallons of wine, <laughs> almost 200 gallons. Wow. So there's that prophecy that when the Messiah comes, there would be an abundance, including an abundance of wine. Here we are. And um, so, but here's the thing. We know in the um, multiplication of the bread and fish, they would just take a little bit of the bread and the fish and Jesus took it, blessed it, broke it, gave it, and it multiplied. So there's something different happening here. What, what, what is the meaning of these ceremonial jars? So the Jews had these big stone jars with this water, and the water was used for their Jewish devotion of cleansing their hands before they ate. So for the spirituality of the Jewish people, this water was there to cleanse, kind of like in the times of the pandemic, right? You imagine your parents saying, wash your hands before you eat, you know, kind of like that. So why is it that it's this water that's going to now become wine? Because later in the gospel, Jesus will take wine and turn it into his blood, and it will be really through the Holy Eucharist that we will be cleansed, no longer an external cleansing, just like washing your hands but rather an internal cleansing as we eat his body and drink his blood through the appearance of bread and wine. He comes within us to cleanse us, to heal us, to forgive us our sins. It's beautiful. And uh, one of the early church fathers, I believe it was St. Jerome, asked the question, whatever happened to all that wine? <laughs> you know, where did it go? Whatever happened? And then he answers the question, we're still drinking it at every Holy Mass. You know, so there's something of the Eucharist here. There's something that's teaching us about what we're doing right now. There's an element of the wedding at Cana that's happening at every Mass. God, the groom, the church, the bride coming together 
the union of body and blood as we receive him. It's really something deep and beautiful and profound. And it was because of the presence of Mother Mary that the the church, over the years of praying and meditating on this story, started to understand that once Mother Mary was taken up into heaven, body and soul, that in heaven, she's still doing what she did here. She's interceding. So the whole Catholic devotion, the whole Catholic love for Mother Mary, asking Mother Mary's prayers, we don't worship her, she's not God, but we ask her prayer, we ask her intercession, we ask her to do what she did here. She intercedes. She brings to Jesus our needs, our concerns. So um, we're going to conclude by just asking a question. I want to propose a question for all of our prayer today. What does the running out of wine mean for us now? What does that symbolize? What could be an experience that we all have where we could say that's kind of like the running out of wine, where there's, we're in need, we're, we're lacking? And I think it has to do with the grace of God. You know, we need his help. We need his grace, don't we? <laughs> and so many cir- circumstances and situations and relationships, whether it be in family, whether it be at work, whether it be um, the different uh, places we find ourselves, we need his grace. We need his help. And you may have an experience. I'm sure all of us have had the experience where we are confronted with the fact that we can't do it on our own. In uh, 12-step programs like AA, they'll call that admitting that you are powerless over your sins, <laughs> you know, that we need a Savior. We need God. We need his grace. We need his help. You know, and, and those can be painful and awkward and frustrating moments. But if we have a little bit of humility, we can open our hearts to God and say, Lord, I need your help. Please help me to be virtuous and kind and loving and merciful and forgiveness. Please help me to not be nasty or judgmental or angry or, you know, all of those things we all struggle with, to be pure of heart, to be a living reflection of God's love in this world, to be the light that shines into the darkness. We need his grace. We need his help. And we can't do it on our own. That's the point. We can't do it on our own. We need the Lord. And uh, in the midst of our spirituality, our prayer, Mother Mary is there to be a spiritual mother, to guide us, to intercede for us, to to help guide us. What does she say to us? She says what she said here, do whatever he tells you. You know, she's always leading us to her son, Jesus. She's always guiding us to, to follow him, to allow his gospel, his message, to be the light that guides our steps. You know, that beautiful teaching that Jesus gave us that we have because of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's beautiful. And we have that detail that this wine was a great, beautiful choice wine. Um, If you go to Cana now, you can get the little bottles of wine as a memorial of being there. I'm told the quality's not so good. (laughs) How ironic is that, huh? (laughs) But um, but it it that tells us. And, and this is something I really want you to think about. It tells us that the best is yet to come. We know whatever, if you're having a bad day, if you're having a bad year, I mean, it's only been seven days, but if you're having a bad year, the best is yet to come. If there's a, you're feeling the burden of carrying a cross, whatever that might be, 
the best is yet to come. What waits for us? You know, an eternal life. That's the thing that strengthens us as we struggle here, huh? The best is yet to come. And so on this first Saturday, here at Our Lady's Shrine, we're here together, we're praying the rosary, we're meditating, we're going to Holy Mass, we're going to receive the Lord in communion. Let us open our hearts in humility, inviting him to provide everything we need. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. been listening to from the friars podcast the community of franciscan friars the renewal please visit us at franciscanfriars.com or on social media cfr underscore franciscans mm-hmm.